Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse. I'm hosting this show and I come to you live every Sunday night. It is always my pleasure to talk about what I am most passionate about, and that is healthy sex and healthy sexual expression and sexuality, sexual function and sexual dysfunction and all those issues that lead us to be embarrassed and make this still such a taboo subject. I'm trying to turn this massive ship around I don't know how well I'm doing, but uh, I'm trying. I seem to talk about sex all the time. In fact, I said to somebody this week, actually that lawyer that I was telling you about, he told me that he reads and writes all the time. And I said, I talk and write all the time. <laughs> I do. I blog about this subject at Fifty Shades of Pink. I've written a book, Sex, sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. I blog at WIN, Women's Health Initiative Network, WIN.ca, which is a new national not-for-profit organization to raise awareness about issues for women below the belt, other than cancers below the belt. Um, So things like prolapse and fibroids, uterine fibroids, which affect many women, vaginal pain, sexual pain, vaginal dryness, bladder issues, the list goes on and there are many, many issues. So I blog there as well. So I I write and I talk. (laughs) I do listen as well. Occasionally I try anyway. Listening is the most important aspect in any relationship. And I'll have to tell you about a little fight that's going on in a couple of comments on under the TEDx Stanley Park talk that I did on May 28th, 2016, that is on YouTube. Uh, So if you want to go and Listen to what I had to say on that particular day. Uh, you can go to YouTube and just Google Maureen McGrath, TEDx Stanley Park. It's about the sexless marriage. Um, so that's a concern for a lot of people. Believe you me, I get calls, emails, uh, questions, comments now from all over the world. I'm getting them from Tunisia, Africa, New York, San Francisco. Hamilton, Ontario, Paris, France. Uh, So the word is out that there's a Canadian woman who'll talk about sex. (laughs) Uh, Well, Canadian women, man, they've just been doing so well everywhere you look. The Canadian women are rocking it down in Rio. Yeah, they really are. Absolutely, yes. But still giving credit to the men. Hey, we got a bronze medal for the first male medal. Yeah, but uh, who was it where they they gave the credit to her husband, the um, the athlete's husband? Oh, I think that was an American swimmer. And yeah, yes. they, Look they, at him. That's they the gave all of the credit to the husband. They Thank did. goodness the husband was here Absolutely. to cheer her on. Because he's responsible for her success, of course. Yes. Uh, so lo- lots of problems, lots of uh, power issues in relationships. And, and sex has to do with, with power. In fact, uh, everything in the world is related to sex except for sex. Sex is about power, said Oscar Wilde. Um, and it is that power, and a lot of people use that power in the relationship. They use sex as the power in the relationship. And I was talking about the uh, take your your ring off, your large rock of an engagement ring before you have a job interview. I mean, you may or may not want to do that, whatever. You may not want to work for somebody who doesn't know the real deal. Yeah, when you asked you. me what it would be to take <laughs> off, I never would have guessed wedding ring, but it actually... No, it's engagement ring, not engagement the wedding ring. ring. That's sorry. okay. 
Uh, the wedding ring apparently is okay, but somebody got a job as a result of taking, after five or six interviews, she took her engagement ring off and was offered the job. But I had a, pay, a couple in my clinical practice one time where she had a $20,000, that may or may not be a lot of money to you, but she had a $20,000 engagement ring. It was a rock. And uh, he actually presented first, and he basically confessed that he had purchased this rock in hopes that she would have sex with him. They were they were living together for seven years and they were in a sexless relationship. Uh, and, uh, so she came in after he did and, and she said, she was like focused on this ring and she's like, for now I'm just focusing on this ring. And I said, well, there's a man behind that ring who actually would like to have an intimate relationship. But, uh, and then I mentioned that to another couple in my practice, some years later. And, uh, this particular person had purchased a car for an expensive car for his wife. And I told him about the man who'd purchased the ring in hopes of getting sex. Of course, this is another sexless couple <laughs> in front of me. And uh, he said, to be honest with you, I bought the car in hopes that she would have sex with me. And I actually think that is pretty common, that in, a, in heterosexual relationships, and, and even in same-sex dyads or same-sex marriages, I do think that you know where there's a power, where there's a lower desire or no desire versus higher desire, I do think a lot of people use purchasing power. I've done it to to try and think that they're going to have sex if they've. Per- what have you bought for somebody? <laughs> I um. Well, I I guess I uh, I did buy a a, shirt, a sparkly diamond was the last big gift I got for uh, my ex and a diamond because ring? I'd never bought her sparkly jewelry. Although I've bought her lots of jewelry, just none of it had a diamond in it. <laughs> was that an and now I'm single, so we all know how that how that so works. She has out. the ring. It's a necklace. Oh, it's a necklace. Okay. It was like a pearl and diamond necklace. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. That the the price of that dropped afterwards. But so I mean, I would. Know. I normally. <laughs> it's it's one thing to buy your 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 lover something nice, but um, I would never, never buy a gift just for sexual purposes. Uh, I think a lot of people do. That that is my sense that they they do that in hopes of uh, having sex. But you know, there's another country heard from, and that's Japan. Japan has a huge sex problem. In and, and in fact, it's setting up a demographic time bomb for that country. And it's known as celibacy syndrome. I don't think they're alone in this, quite frankly. But the country just isn't that interested in sex. And it could have huge effects beyond the borders. The most recent evidence comes in a survey by the Japan Family Planning Association. It was reported in the Japan Times. 49.3% of respondents between the ages of 16 and 49 in the 1,134-person survey, a very robust survey, said they hadn't had sex in the past month. That is shocking. There was a minor gen- gender variation. 48.3% of men reported not having sex. What? 50.1% of women reported not having sex. According to the Japan Times, both figures demonstrated a 5% increase over two years. There were a number of reasons as to why people were not having sex. So 20, about 21% of married men and almost 18% of married women cited fatigue from work. 23% of married women said sex was bothersome. <laughs> Did you hear that? Sex is bothersome. I don't feel like bothering. You got to bother. Anyway, uh, it might be fun. You might actually enjoy it. And maybe it's the wrong person you're having sex with. And 17.9% of male respondents, this is even more surprising, said they had little interest or a strong dislike 
of sex, a dislike of sex? Who would admit to that? There's even more significant and extreme trends. According to a 2011 report from Japan's Population Center, cited by Max Fisher at the Washington Post, 27% of men and 23% of women are not interested in a romantic relationship. From ages 18 to 34, 61% of men and 49% of women are not involved in a relationship. That might be a good thing. There's some other research out there that says single people are actually happier, more independent, more self-reliant, and uh, engaged in life. But from ages 18 to 34, 36% of men and 39% of women have never had sex. Wow. Uh, the There's a flight from human intimacy, I would say, and it stems from having a highly developed economy and high gender inequality. Japan ranks 104 out of 140 countries regarding gender equality. Professional women are stuck in the middle of this contradiction. It's not that the daycare programs are scarce. Women who become pregnant or even just marry are so expected to quit work that they can come under enormous social pressure to do so and often find the career advancement becomes impossible. Just another block to the glass ceiling. And the word for married working women in Japan is called a devil wife. <laughs> Oniomi. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So this actually puts a relational squeeze on prospects for Japanese women. And Fisher reports that women in their early 20s have a 25% chance of never marrying and a 40% chance of never having children. So as a result, Japan's birth rate has hit a record low in 2014. They had over a million infants born with a, with a combined 1.3 million deaths in the same year. What does that mean? Negative population growth and uh, a deepening population crisis. So the overall population could dip to 107 million by 2040 or 20 million lower than today. And anyway, their population is shrinking and graying, they say. So, but people who are graying still have sex. Sex never ends, let me tell you. So this is a problem. And different countries, because of their cultures and other economic factors, have the same issue. And sex is a huge issue for people, for so many couples. Anyway, when I come back, we're going to be talking about sexual dysfunction after you've had the baby. So let's say you've had sex and you have a baby and now you have got sexual dysfunction and that's lasting longer than you ever expected. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back. You know, you can give me a call. I'm Maureen McGrath. You call 604 280 98 or star 9898 on your cell. I don't bite through the phone anyway. You can email me sextalk at cknw.com. I'm the host of the show, the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks for staying here with me. Thanks for being here with me this evening. And uh, we're getting through her, huh? I, I see a lot of patients. I'm a registered nurse. I'm in uh, sexual health clinical practice in North Vancouver and Vancouver. I see a lot of patients who experience sexual problems long after 
they've given birth to the child. And, and mainly they are problems ranging from painful intercourse to a lack of sexual desire. Um, fatigue is, of course, the number one reason. The hormonal changes may lead to painful intercourse, and that can also lead to a lack of sexual desire. So this is not a subject that is discussed frequently by patients' doctors or, or their midwives. And nearly two-thirds of women experience ongoing sexual dysfunction six months after giving birth. And as I said, the problems can be painful intercourse to lack of sexual desire. Many people don't realize that there are treatments for this in the form of personal moisturizers, for example. So Gynotroph is one. It's a great personal moisturizer. It's hormone-free. It has hyaluronic acid in it that helps to heal tissues, vitamin E, um, so that can be very beneficial. That's one example. It's a gel. And it's what's nice about it is what, what I like about it. It's a moisturizer and a lubricant. And so you can use it during sex as well. So if you're having a little leftover, uh, painful intercourse, it can be helpful for that. Did I mention the lube launcher? I'm going to tell you about the lube launcher afterward. Um, but that can be very helpful for vaginal play and anal play as well. Um, but even in the 21st century, the sex and sexual problems are something that people are hesitant to bring up. Uh, so, you know, it's a great idea to ask. You know, ask your doctor about it. Ask your midwife. Email me, sextalk at cknw.com, because when these things escalate, they just get out of control. The pain will get better if you have vaginal... I mean, will get worse, sorry. The pain will get worse, but it can get better if you email me. Um, the pain will escalate. if you Once you start to have sexual pain, vaginal pain, pelvic pain, it just gets worse. It sends the... Um, message to your brain. They're very much tied. Um, you know, and if you don't deal with it early on, I you're going to end up in my practice five, six, seven years down the track with issues around your libido. There's a small body of literature on women's sexuality after childbirth, but the four most common problems, of course, were sexual pain disorder, sexual desire dysfunction, sexual arousal disorder, and orgasmic disorder. I had a patient in my clinical practice. They used to go to strip clubs before they had their children. Since they've gotten married and they had three children, two jobs, uh, computers in the bed at night, one staying up much later than the other, the kids in the bed, not only do they are they in a sexless marriage, she can no longer experience orgasm. And so that can happen to you as well. A prospective study of 500 women in the United Kingdom found 83% of women had sexual dysfunction at three months and 64% of women were still experiencing it at six months. So it's important to remember if women and their partners did not see something as a problem, then it's not a problem and it should not be viewed as a problem by anybody. For people who do not want to have sex, there is no problem and you agree upon that. There's no problem. But but don't just expect things to happen and and perceive it as normal, like sexual pain isn't normal and leaking of urine isn't normal and there are treatments for those things. But the harder that something goes on, the harder it is to treat. If you're breastfeeding, for example, Many breastfeeding women experience vaginal dryness. This is easy to treat and can cl and often clears up after weaning, but just having that information. So it can be a short-term treatment. And But some of the other issues may impact your relationship with your partner. So this is something that we need to talk about. The problems are likely to rise the older a woman is that she delivers her babies, that she has her babies. So there's, if you have your babies later in life, 
your increased age is a risk factor for sexual dysfunction. So you're less likely to have sexual dysfunction if you're 27 when you have your babies than when you are 37 or 41. So you you may <clears throat> excuse me you may expect more sexual dysfunction, but uh, to understand about it is really helpful. Women with deep religious convictions, according to this limited body of research, were three times more likely to experience sexual dysfunction than those without religious affiliations. And that can relate to guilt, and that can relate to, I mean, many women will have sexual dysfunction, especially if they have been sexually abused or had sexually unwanted sexual advances at any time in their life, and that can definitely impact and increase anxiety. And when you have a major life change like a baby, like having a baby or having a second baby or a third baby, it can bring up a lot of the issues, a lot of the past unresolved issues that that you may have. Also, there's a lot of people that feel that motherhood is incongruous with being sexual, and that's why it's important that that sexual relationship remains uh, on the table or on the bed, shall I say. And it's important not to bring those kids into the bed because that can really uh, shut down a person's or a couple's sex life. And it's really common that uh, men will have an extramarital affair after the first baby is born. So it's not uncommon. It's really about sex. It's about the desire to have sex and to want sex and to seek seek that sex outside of the relationship. And if they've gotten away with it once or twice and they think they can get away with it, they're going to get away with it. They're going to think, oh, I can get away with it again. Let me try this again. Like Nobody caught me the first time. If you do something 80 times and don't get caught and only get caught 20 times, then you're more likely to go and do it. And of course, today with social media and everything, there's so much access, women at work, there is so much access to people uh, having sexual relationships outside of their primary relationship. Uh, I wanted to talk to you as well. I mentioned that the personal moisturizers are great for vaginal dryness, but also you may want to bring some lubricants into the bedroom. That can be helpful and it can be playful and it can be fun. It can increase sexual sensation and friction. And so to that end, the lube launcher is the sex toy of the week this week. And uh, lube launchers are, uh, it's a narrowed injector. It makes it easy to ease into anal or vaginal play by lubricating those hard-to-reach places. And they have convenient finger grips, come in a lovely blue color. Uh, They allow for precise insertion while uh, it's a very easy-to-clean device as well. So that might be something kind of fun to bring into the bedroom, the lube launcher. I love the name of it, so... (laughs) That's why that's why I'm mentioning it. But it is actually quite a beneficial little uh, addition. You know, is it really a toy? Not necessarily. Uh, and, of course, nothing compares to the Womanizer, which is the absolute best sex toy out there. I think I've told you that before. It's a clitoral suckling device. And it I actually prescribe it for many of my patients who have primary anorgasmia. So people who, women who are unable to experience orgasm or even those who maybe take a long time to experience orgasm, especially if they've had some hormonal fluctuations, you may take a little bit longer to experience orgasm. Some women take a long, you know, may take 15 or 20 minutes to experience orgasm. And so this can definitely speed things up and will also uh, provide multiple orgasms, which many women are capable of, but many women are not. But this will definitely help uh, you to 
increase your chances of experiencing multiple and very different sensation, different types of, of orgasms, increasing the pleasure all the while in your bedroom. So, and that's what this uh, little show is about. And, uh, and do not forget to kiss your partners. You know, kissing goes the way, um, you know, it just leaves our lives. A lot of people say we never kiss anymore. When you kiss someone for the first time, you get a spike in the neurotransmitter dopamine, and that makes you crave more. So kiss more, you'll crave more, you'll get more. Dopamine can also make you lose your appetite, and it can make you make it difficult for you to sleep. So keep that in mind as well. So um, kissing helps us work out if someone is a good match as well. So I'm all a big proponent of kissing. It also helps your heart beat faster, and I'm all about that. Anyway, when I come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this sex stuff. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath, registered nurse, hosting this show. It is my pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for staying here with me this evening. Uh, for all you single ladies out there, all you single people, you know, people tag you with being sad and lonely. Dating apps and shows go all out to transform your miserable lives into a celebrated twosome, so... Hopefully you'll get married, find somebody to complete you. I don't think so. Anyway, it turns out single people have a heightened sense of self-determination and are more likely to experience more psychological growth and development than married people, according to research entitled, What No One Ever Told You About Be- Being Single. That was presented at the American Psychological Association's 124th Annual Convention. It challenged the depiction of single life to offer a more accurate portrayal of single people. There's this preoccupation of the perils of loneliness for people who are single and people feel sorry for someone. Oh, they haven't met anybody. Oh, that's terrible. But you know what? This actually shows a more accurate portrayal of people, of single people, that they're more determined, they're more conscious of personal development. When you have no one to rely on but yourself, you can actually Get over some of your failures. Be more successful. Have more confidence. Confidence is definitely sexy. Anyway, so uh, in theory, people that are married should be faring much better than single people because of the cultural advantages and several laws that benefit them, but not necessarily. It shows that single status is more advantageous than a married one, according to this research. The single people create their own life spaces. It doesn't matter what other people are doing, and it shouldn't matter what other people are doing to you either. But you can be more engaged with your parents and siblings and neighbors and coworkers. Uh, people who are married tend to become more insular. So single people uh, can live just as well, if not better, than married people because single people live their most authentic life and their most meaningful life more so than married people. So, uh, you know what? There's a case for being single. And uh, I'm not surprised um, because I bet there's a lot of married people who would like to be single. And I point to some comments on YouTube where, uh, shameless self-promotion here once again, I do apologize, the TEDx Stanley Park talk that I gave, it's actually called, the formal title is No Sex Marriage, Masturbation, Loneliness, Cheating, and Shame. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
anyway, it's had like 29,000 views around the world and a lot of comments. So one of the comments is this, and sometimes you wonder, you know, am I doing the right work? Am I getting the right messages out? Am I letting the cat out of the bag here? Is this going to resonate with anybody? You know, I mean, I see... I've seen thousands of patients in my clinical practice. I've spoken to thousands of patients through presentations, online, emails, uh, phone calls, Skype. So, and then you see a comment like this and you think, yeah, it resonated with somebody. Uh, and if it changes one person's life, you know, that's that's all that uh, matters. I don't mean to be cliche, but uh, somebody wrote on here, I would gladly show this vis- video to my wife of nine plus years, but she would probably scream at me that you know, that you know I do not wish to speak to you about sex. If you don't like our relationship, then get a divorce, he, he says she would say. So after more than nine years where the sex was only great before our marriage and it almost stopped immediately after she said, I do, which is the old joke, but I am sorry to say it is only too true. So my choice at this point in my life is divorce, hang it up or cheat. Sorry to say those are the only three choices for all of us married men. If I met a woman over the age of 40 whom was really passionate I would leave my marriage tomorrow. Gets a response from somebody who said, if you had love and no passion, then you're saying it's unacceptable long-term. What if you had passion and no love? How would you feel? Why not look for what the real issue is? There is an underlying reason why the sex stopped in your marriage. Men have fragile egos. I'm sure you've asked her why the sex stopped, and I'm sure she has told you something. Now, either you heard her and acted properly, or you heard her and didn't, or you just didn't listen. So again, what if you had passion and no love? And you know, that's that's a very important point. That's a great point, because I hear from a lot of women why they don't want to have sex with their husbands. And a lot of the reasons have to do with the husbands have let themselves go. The husband has a temper. The husband yells at them. The husband nitpicks at them. The husband is irritable, angry. That's probably the most common reason is that that and that is a major turnoff, guys, I'm telling you, to get control of your anger, get if you have it, get control. And also the other thing is you can have the flip side. You can have the guy that is so nice, that is trying so hard, that is... Uh, you know, you got to play a little hard to get. So often women will know, ah, I can have sex with them anytime I want. I don't really feel like I don't want to bother. It's It takes time, you know, and it takes energy. But it's well worth it in the end. It's well worth it afterward. And and you know what? It actually takes practice. <laughs> uh, and and the practice is is the pleasure as well. So this is certainly, sex is certainly a touchy subject. And there are many reasons that lie beneath a lack of intimacy in a marriage. So you may want to speak to a uh, somebody who has expertise in this area. But I'm telling you, this is so um, frustrating for people. I had another comment, which I have to, I was actually welcome. I was welcomed into the clan of light on YouTube. And uh, he said, Maureen McGrath, you have so much humor. So don't be afraid to watch this TEDx talk. You brought me a lot of positive vibes and even a pinch of sexual excitement. Well, I'm glad for you. Uh, you even answered in most of the comments. Anyway, so I was invited into this society called the, the clan of light. We are the clan of light. We love truth. We cooperate, then reciprocate, but never forget we prosper in the end. I, I actually can't read this, but um, 
We are the clan of light. Okay, so now I'm, uh, in, I've been indoctrin- indoctrinated into that. But I did get another um, message from somebody, and uh, which I did actually love uh, his message. I'm going to find it here. Uh, fellow from San Francisco, he wrote that uh, he watched the video and he loved it. And he liked my suggestion. He's actually cannot wait until he has uh, a fight with his girlfriend because of one of my suggestions. I'm writing to you, be- and, and here's the problem that he had. He said, uh, hi, Maureen. I saw your TEDx talk, and I loved it. Made me laugh, and I learned a lot. Thank you very much. I'm writing to you because my girlfriend and I have had some problems to have sex because of one thing that you mentioned in your talk related to the birth control pill, which can lead to vaginal dryness. Um and uh, so I would love to know if we could contact you. Okay, yes, you can. I'll send you an email about that. It's been already four years together. She's tried everything, and we're lost and desperate, which is what happens. We live in San Francisco and travel a lot, but maybe you could have a first call with her so she can explain better if you're available. Uh, would love to meet you in person, so please, so feel free to fly me to New York City. No problem. I will meet you there. Uh, all expenses paid for me on you. Um, but anyway, no, I do Skype, actually. I do Skype consults as well. Uh, so you can email me about that, nursetalk at hotmail.com or sextalk at cknw.com. Um, but then he writes, also, I can't wait to have an argument with my girlfriend and take your advice to settle all marital arguments in the bedroom naked. I have Gary on the line. Hello, Gary. Gary is no longer on the line. <laughs> well... I scared the pants off him. Oh, no problem. That's okay. Gary, call back. I didn't mean to scare the pants off you. Anyway, we'll go to break right now, and we'll come back, and uh, we'll dive a little deeper. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Love that song. That's the song that uh, I started out this little sex show with. We played that all the time uh, when I was a regular sex and health commentator on the Christy Clark Show. Yeah, way back in 2009. I've been doing this like, sex thing. Like Christy Clark, the premier Christy Clark? That's the one. Yes, that's how I got my start in radio. She was the That's oh, interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> yes, and I uh, I did a favor for a friend. You just never know how life's going to you know, go. And uh, I did a fr- favor for a colleague and friend and business partner who has been fantastic to me. And uh, he asked me to go on and take his place and talk about a health subject. And... I decided because of a research study I was doing that I would talk about low sexual desire in women. And uh, so we talked about that and she invited me back and I've been talking about sex ever since. I Now I have Gary on the line. Hey, Gary. Yeah. Hi, Maureen. Uh, sorry for, uh, for the mix up there. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. No worries. I think it was our that's, fault, Gary. That, that's fine. Uh, approximately uh, eight years ago, I got involved in a motor vehicle accident and it's taken almost seven and a half years for the doctors to figure out or think they can figure out what it is. I have nerve pain down south. Mm-hmm. They've given me a shot of, uh, uh, I think it's um, not morphine, but the uh, uh, an injection. And I'm still having, I don't have any problem with an erection. I don't have any problem with having sex. It's immediately after, and the pain mm. is indescribable. And I'm just wondering, I didn't realize that you were a registered nurse. I was just wondering, do you have any ideas? Do you have thought of maybe suing the uh, driver again, or if I can do that? And um, 
If not, uh, what can I do as far as uh, getting more injections? And do you have any thoughts about that? And I'll, I'll, I'll let you go and listen to you, okay? Okay, thank you so much thank for you. that uh, great question. Wow, it's, uh, you know, I just actually finished doing a an expert, a nursing expert witness uh, review, report, uh, on a patient who had sexual pain after uh, a motor vehicle accident. And uh, the case settled because the, the person was having a lot of sexual dysfunction after the issue. It wasn't sexual pain, but it certainly can... Because uh, it's uh, related to the brain and related to the nerves and the spinal column, and I don't know the details of your um, of your injury or what happened or and uh, and what type of pain that it is. Uh, there in there, and so it's difficult for me to actually say. I mean, you could certainly, I would, uh, in terms of the legal aspect, I would talk to the lawyer. I don't know if you can go and open the case again, but there are nine problems that can make sex painful for men, or more than that, even Peroni's disease is one. But you say you didn't have any problem with erection. Um, prostatitis is another one. Urinary tract infections. Um, if it's it's neuropathic pain and if you've got an injection, I don't know if you had a cortisone injection in that area. Um, so it really requires a diagnosis, but you might go to see a physiatrist. That's probably what I would do. Uh, they, who They deal in uh, nerve pain and, um, and damage and injury. I don't know if you're having any symptoms like I described before, like nasal congestion or headaches or heart palpitations or anything else along with that, it may be beneficial to monitor you after perhaps uh, masturbation. We've certainly done that as well. But I can say this, that it warrants further investigation by the right people. So if you want to email me um, at nursetalk at hotmail.com, I'll I'll help you out because I think this actually requires a much more... um, uh, in-depth response, uh, but but it's a great question, and I there certainly are people who have experienced sexual pain after intercourse, uh, and there are certainly things that can be done. But once again, it is the right diagnosis that you need. It's really tough for me to do it over uh, the airwaves, um, but it's certainly something that that can be addressed. And but we have to look at the type of pain and how long it lasts and. Um, under what circumstances and what's help it happening to the rest of your autonomic nervous system when that's going on uh, and what has worked in the past, exactly what has worked in the past. So I'm not exactly sure what medication was injected. Um, so anyway, just a bit more information, but but thanks for the question. And, and I would not give up. That's the other thing. I would not give up. There are often answers out there. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, a story that I saw in the New York Times about a couple, a lesbian couple, has been ordered to first have sex with men before receiving insured fertility treatment. How fair is that? A pair of lesbian couples in the state of New Jersey are suing these state officials over a law that they said discriminates against same-sex partnerships with regard to insurance coverage for fertility treatment. And the lawsuit stated that the law requires couples to engage in unprotected heterosexual intercourse on top of being medically diagnosed with infertility before their coverage can pay for the treatments. Are they on crack in New Jersey? I mean, really, there's now there. I know why New Jersey is called the armpit of America. Uh, One of the two couples bringing the lawsuit have has suffered six miscarriages 
they paid $50,000 for treatments and because they have been denied coverage. And they've been trying to conceive a child since 2013. That's three years. That's a tremendous amount of stress, expense, unnecessary loss of dignity, uh, may lead to shame, which is one of the most toxic emotions. And that's, I really think that is one of the biggest problems that we have in the world is the shame that people feel. And how can you say, that is like saying to, and I often say this to parents of same sex, where you know, people, parents who are having trouble because their children are attracted to a same sex person or their children are, are in a lesbian relationship or in a same-sex relationship, and they want to try to fix them up with somebody else. I mean, I'm just thinking, where where is your head? Um, but it's like asking a, a heterosexual person to have same-sex sex, to have sex with somebody of the same sex. I just don't understand that. Um, they, so they're basically being told that without having sexual intercourse, so penetrative, the traditional type of sex that people think of what sex is, and sex is so much more than that. Uh, that's one version, one way. Uh, but they're told that, that they have to have sex or they're not, they don't stand a chance of being covered. This is the kind of thing that really drives me crazy in the world, these antiquated laws, these issues that uh, are basically causing lots of problems and excess money, and uh, they're just basically needless. I also wanted to uh, answer an email uh, from a woman last week. Uh, it's, again, about vaginal dryness, and um, she went to her doctor and just received such misinformation around it, and um, people are confusing uh, systemic hormone therapy with localized hormone therapy. So systemic hormone therapy is for menopause. I don't have enough time to actually go through this, so I might have to address this next week along with uh, another subject that I, I want to address as well. It's another subject of shame, unnecessary shame uh, that needs to change in the world. But uh, but this one, I think I'm going to have to put it off till next week to give it its uh, uh, just deserve. When I come back, we're going to wrap this baby up. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, another two hours of sex. How was that? Did you enjoy that? Was that I had a good great for- time. <laughs> was that as good for you as it was for me? I feel fantastic, Maureen. <laughs> Amazing. Compliments to the tech producer who goes above and beyond the call of duty here quite often. So thank you, Matt Highland, very much for helping me out here. Um, well, here we go. We're talking about it. So send me your questions. Sex talk at cknw.com. I'm happy to email you privately. Ask me that or I can respond and in anonymity on the air. So no problem with that either. I want to tell you about a couple events that are coming up. Well, of course, in a couple of weeks, I have the Strata Lawyer to talk about Strata sex and stress, or no sex and stress. <laughs> um, if you're in a Strata, you'll want to be there in a couple of weeks. Paul Mendes is going to join me. And uh, I'm also speaking about the neurochemistry of love and lust and uh, behind sexual desire and what's all what that's all about at the Magnificent You conference, which is going to be held out in New Westminster at the new 
center out there. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, I'll uh, I'll get that for you next week, though. But you can go to MagnificentU.com and sign up for that event. That should be, it's a weekend affair. That should be kind of fun. And, and then I'm having the Vancouver Women's Conference on November 12th at the Fairmont Pacific Rim. It uh, promises to be a great time. I'm telling you, you are going to want to be there. Uh, so more information about that next week, of course. And uh, on next week's show, I want to talk to you about something that uh, I see, I've seen quite a bit, way too much in my clinical practice. And uh, probably the first case that I saw was a, a young man who was confused sexually because he had been sexually abused by his father his whole life. And and he couldn't understand that when he became an adolescent, he was actually attracted to women. And he came to me and he said, you know, I'm supposed to be attracted to men. That's the normal. And uh, so the, the ravages of sexual abuse uh, run very deep. And there are secret lives of male sex abuse survivors. We don't talk about male sex abuse survivors much. We talk about female sex sexual abuse survivors. Um, but we need to raise this issue. This has even more embarrassment because as we talked about with uh, uh, earlier, men are meant to be tough and strong. And, uh, you know, it's this is something that has so much additional shame. It's a private shame. And they often don't disclose this until many, many years later, and, and often the abuser uh, uses this against somebody to, that they've abused, a target, to keep them quiet. Many survivors believe that in order to have been chosen as a target, there must be something wrong with them, something that makes them weak, or that they deserved this pain, this horror, this tragedy. So, you know, when boys are told that being manly be- means never being weak, uh, this really uh, cuts into that very deeply. So I'm going to address male sex abuse survivors next week, and I wanted to uh, forewarn you or give you a heads up on that. Anyway, follow me on Twitter at Back the Number Two The Bedroom. You can go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. I'm Maureen McGrath. Thank you so much for being here with me this nu- this evening. It's always my pleasure, and uh, have a sexually healthy week. You've been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW.